too. Morgan hasn't seen Janine. Are we going to break and smash and crash into a million tiny little pieces? Or are we going to stay strong, unharmed, and quite frankly invincible? Which one of these two characters in this movie are we? Who knows? On Morgan hasn't seen today because wow. we are continuing with our M. Night Shyamalan series. Talking today about the first of his what do you call it trilogy? The East Rail trilogy. The East Rail trilogy, presumably. That's the name of the train company. Yes. From this movie and presumably the other movies. It's Unbreakable. We're talking about Unbreakable today. From 2000, <laughs> Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson, and Robin Wright, who I didn't even know was in this movie. Yes, I was I was very impressed with that uh, epic intro build-up, Morgan. Were you? I was thinking about that one. Can you tell? <laughs> yes, Can yes. you tell I was thinking about that one? Definitely, it's not natural. Definitely uh, heard the thought process going on there with the... Uh, yeah. The the uh adjectives and <laughs> yeah. it just works. It just I just I, I thought it worked. I yes. thought it worked, I mean. Um Unbreakable though, again this is kind of a movie that I'm surprised I haven't seen. We've had a couple of those now yes. in the M Night series. Um one being the village, which I still stand by. He's my favourite M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> so this didn't steal the top spot for you? No. Like, The Village is better than Sixth Sense. The Village is better than Split. And The Village is better than the movies, the other movies that I've seen in this series. It's just, it's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Unbreakable, Unbreakable, which is the movie we're talking about today. Look... I don't have many, if any, bad things to say about Unbreakable at all, Ginny. This is another top draw Shyamalan movie. Because I'm just that good. See, I know. You are. I mean, you are. Is it you or is it M. Night? Or is it both of you? I think it's me because you wouldn't be watching these movies without me. Like, you didn't even think to yourself. You know, after seeing Split and knowing what happens, to go back and watch this movie or no, Glass. I didn't. I no, didn't. so Shyamalan wasn't doing nothing for you with that. So <laughs> if it wasn't I for me, I, you wouldn't have gotten there. <laughs> I did admittedly uh, plan on seeing Glass, but then just never did. I don't even remember why. <laughs> but wow, I just Morgan. never did. I did want to, though, because I knew it was the follow-on from from Split. I think I but never saw never Glass, probably, be, probably because I hadn't seen Unbreakable before it. And you just you know, didn't like, want to go And back. then I just, I, I just couldn't. I just didn't. I just didn't. I was in <laughs> one of those sad moods. Excuse. <laughs> it's just it a Morgan a mood excuse. that prevented you from go, doing that. Exactly. Okay. It's a pathetic excuse. An unjustified excuse. But it doesn't matter now because we're doing it for the show, Janine, because Glass is coming next week, isn't it, to actually round out the series. So Um, before we get too into this, we do have something we need to do today. We do, because it is, of course, Patreon shout-out day. 
Yes. We love, we love it. What we happens? Love our patrons. What happens on the Patreon, Janine? Why do well, we have Patreon shout out day? Well, if you are a patron of It's a Wonderful Podcast, which you can be at It's a Wonderful One on Patreon.com, at the lowest tier, the dollar tier, you get shout outs on some of our shows every week you get a nice little shout out of us just calling you out and giving you a huge thank you because we love you guys for all of your support so yeah today is one of those days it certainly is there are plenty of different tiers on the it's a wonderful podcast patreon of course some of which may be redeveloped in the new year as well as we move into trying to uh redevelop some other things for ourselves. Yes. But there's a whole bunch of fun stuff that will always go on on the Patreon. So find the tier that's right for you. Head on over there and join us for all the good fun. Including, Yay. of course, the Patreon shoutouts. Janine, would you like to start this week? Yes. So a huge thank you to Abby Friel. Yay. Thanks, Abby. And thank you to Jeremiah Morris. And thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you, 90s Comics Box, Janine's big brother, Justin. And thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Corey Morissette. Thank you, Robert Parker. Thank you to Christina Farrow. And thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you to Dr. Meg's Megan McCurley. And thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Steve Movie Fanobi. <laughs> and thank you, Jake Yacovetta. Thank you, Samia Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you to Carla Feese. And thank you, Dwayne Burke. Thank you, Adam Collins. Big congrats. Yay. And thank you, Delisha Butler. Thank you to Oscar Romo. And thank you to GG. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsock. Always the great. And thank you to the lovely Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. Thank you to Eric Garcia. And thank you to the best hype man in the biz, Billy Pollahan. Yay, patrons. We love the patrons. They're so we great, do. Janine. We, we love do. them all. Wonderful, wonderful human beings. Yeah. As unbreakable in, in a bond <laughs> as David Dunn's skin no it's not his skin okay. is it obviously this this one was not as well planned out but no you tried so unbreakable i do have a question for you morgan a question yes so now that you have the split context of this movie and kind of the through line connection of where it might go with glass yeah does that impact your feelings of unbreakable and your feelings on Split. Well, I mean, look, there's enough of this move. There's enough of Unbreakable, I think, that is kind of... Okay, is it actually some kind of supernatural thing going on with these two? Or is it, like, purely scientific? Because, like, David Dunn seems, like, a little bit heightened and supernatural and kind of... There's actual, there must actually be a little bit of superpowers going on there. Like, look, Unbreakable's full of comic books. It's a, people call it a superhero movie. I actually wasn't even sure whether it was an M. Night original movie, but then that's just a silly thing to suggest, actually, isn't it? Because it's an M. Night movie. 
So why would it not be original? Unless it's obviously one of the big studio blockbusters. Um, so obviously it is an original movie. But I, I always had it weirdly in my head that Unbreakable was like a comic book series that M. Night just kind of brought to the big screen. Now that I've Ooh. seen it, it's it's kind of it's it's not that, is it? It's no, just it's the really fact grounded. That, yeah, but it's just the fact that comic books play kind of a big part in the movie thematically and kind of story wise. Because obviously, you know, Elijah Price is really into comic books and bases his entire life basically around the morals found in comic books and that kind of thing. Um but David Dunn's kind of, as far as I'm concerned, definitely got some sort of supernatural ability, which I think is questioned a lot in this movie. But then having seen Split and knowing that the beast exists yeah. and is definitely supernatural, then that just kind of, like, the beast can't not be supernatural. So it just kind of confirmed that all the questions that were being asked in Unbreakable kind of were already answered with me having seen Split again from this same universe. And yeah. As far as I'm concerned, because like I said, I've not seen Glass yet, so I don't know what's going to happen in Glass or what's going to be the case in the end of Glass. But as far as I'm concerned now, um, David Dunn's basically a vigilante superhero and he's probably going to go after James McAvoy, right? Is that Perhaps. the idea of Glass? Perhaps. Because I really don't know. <laughs> well, I really got no idea. A surprise. Um, okay. okay. So, yeah, I mean, I do feel like, yeah, there are some kind of supernatural type elements going on here, but I feel like he kind of grounds them in a realistic feeling world. Oh, definitely, 100%. 100%. But um, it was just the fact that there's enough scenes in Unbreakable that are, even even if it's David Dunn himself basically telling people, no, I'm not special, you know, no, I I don't have kind of heightened powers... And in fact, he he he, he does because yeah. you can't sense the things he senses. He senses you can't know the things he knows about other people without having something else. Like he brushes past people and he can see the wrong that the, they've done. Exactly, he can that, see it like a clear picture of what they've done. You know, exactly. That ain't normal. You can't explain that with science. Like Mister Glass, sure you can explain away with science. Mr. Glass is more... Mr. Glass, there's no super natural ability about Mr. Glass. He's just a very clever, very determined, um, calculated guy Yeah. who happens to have a quite nasty, you know, medical condition where his bones are ridiculously brittle. Yes, which made for a great opening. Like, I really love the opening of this movie. Oh, um, yeah. And just how it's shot as well. They kind of have a mirror in there. So like how you pan around the room, it really kind of um, distorts the space a little bit for you because you're yeah. seeing kind of these reflected images and just kind of how he moves the conversation 
to like pan to whoever's talking. I like when he does things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a great kind of opening introduction. And then you're kind of curious as to where it's going to go from here. And then once you kind of meet David Dunn and they do the whole kind of showing him, like if you're there and you're peeking at him through the crack of the seats, you know, uh, and like kind of peeking behind you. I like that. That's how that was shot too, that you're just kind of sneaking a peek of the conversation. Um, So, yeah, I do like how the characters are introduced. I think all that is really well done. Um, And, yeah, like Elijah's story uh, with, you know, he's just born and he's crying. And this doctor, like the fear in his eyes and how he tells her and how he kind of accuses the, the, because obviously she kind of just randomly gave birth in like a department store. Yeah. Um, Then the shop lady is like, no, I didn't drop this baby. Why would you accuse me of that? And he's like, because its arms and legs are broken just kind of the fear uh in that whole situation and then you kind of get led into the film with that Uh, i think that's a really kind of a powerful like okay what am i in for here and like the title of the movie is unbreakable and you're introduced to a character who is very breakable um so i do you're wondering what is unbreakable (laughs) exactly exactly you find out pretty quickly kind of what is unbreakable yes but then, again, isn't this kind of M. Night doing what M. Night has since, go on, has since gone on to do plenty of times in the sense that whether it's the title or the main point of his movies can mean one thing on the surface, David Dunn can't be broken, but it can also mean a bond between superhero and supervillain is unbreakable. That's how Mr. Glass sees it, surely. Yeah, like, um, how did you... Well, I guess we can get to the twist uh, near the end of the episode. But, um, yeah, I think it's definitely... You know, they talk about it a lot, like two sides of the spectrum. And him kind of needing to find his place in the world. um, And that being a kind of a big factor, a motivating factor for him. Uh, So, yeah, I think if you kind of think about the title from that aspect of... Um, an unbreakable bond between two people um, on different sides of a spectrum that definitely plays into um, a def- a, an interesting uh, theoretical thought of how, you know what he was going for with the title. There is a serious level of duality theme themes, talk, whatever you want to say, going on in this movie. This is M. Night's main focus with this movie is kind of, okay, I'm going to take this person over here as far end of this spectrum as possible and then this person at the far other end and just see how they play off each other and how close-knit they actually are. Uh, And you see it not just in the kind of characters, like blatantly, obviously, with the kind of characters they are, in the sense that, obviously, Elijah, pretty breakable. David Dunn, pretty unbreakable. But all their entire lives are the miles apart. And you see it in the movie. Like, what I noticed all the time is that David Dunn's kind of always a bit, like, dirty and a bit kind of groggy. His residence is kind of just... I mean, it's, it's, I suppose ramshackle is not the word for it, but every, kind More of everything's dreary. everywhere. 
Yeah. And it's not necessarily dirty, but just kind of everyone's everything's everywhere. It's lived in, you know, it's well used. Every item of clothing looks well worn and he's kind of just I don't know. Bruce Willis tends to be, or he, at least he used to be, quite good at doing the sort of, I don't know whether it's nervousness, but it's a kind of reluctant fighter. He's, he tends to be good at doing that. I suppose he is good at doing that. Look at Die Hard, a well, reluctant yeah. fighter. And that, he, he's, he's got the very face resistant. for it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that the whole, most of this movie, he's really resistant to the ideas that Elijah's kind of putting on him. Um, he doesn't really want to think about it, but yet he still is taking these small steps to kind of investigate because Elijah yeah. kind of poses that first question to him. When was the last time you were sick? And that kind of kicks off his whole thought process. And while he doesn't want to believe Elijah and while he kind of pushes the thought away, he's still over here asking his wife, you know, do you remember any time I was sick? He's asking his boss, do you remember any time I was sick? And yeah. things like that. So he's curious about it. He's thinking about it, but he doesn't want to even entertain the thought. His son gets really excited about it. Yeah. And he kind of tries to shut that down too. But then, you know, he has these moments of entertaining the idea. Yeah, there's another, you know, difference between... David and Elijah, David's questioning his entire being, where Elijah's kind of very, very self-aware and knows exactly who he is and exactly who David is. But right he needs David to know that. He needs David to know that. He needs David to prove that so that he can find his place in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 Elijah's uh, motivation and, isn't it yeah. he he wants to find his place in the world doesn't mean he doesn't know who he is i think he's perfectly aware of who he is yes. but he doesn't know where he fits yes and now he does know where he fits now that he's found david does know where he fits that's his whole thing purpose but just yeah. another another i you know thing that really shine shone out to me with the whole duality situation is like i've said david's whole aesthetic in every scene he's in in this movie is as i've just described and elijah's is very precise and clean and defined and everything's just in straight lines and structured organized yeah unbelievably organized he always wears leather so he looks kind of shiny and he's got a sheen to him everything even his weird half afro whatever the hell hair <laughs> sam jackson's going for um i like actually that he kind of when sam jackson elijah is first on screen he's giving this whole monologue about this one particular piece of comic book art that this one dude he's very offended he's very offended that this one dude's going to buy this piece of art for a four-year-old child <laughs> yeah he's deeply offended by this and says this is not a toy store no. this is a piece of art yeah. rightly so i think he's fair to say that um but he has this whole monologue about this piece of comic art where the the hero is has got the the square jaw and everything like that and the villain 
Notice how the villain's head is slightly disproportionate to the the villain's body. Yeah. Sam Jackson's weird afro makes his head slightly disproportionate to his body. Look at you, look at you. You know what I mean? Seeing the sign. (laughs) Seeing seeing the sign. That's the next movie that M. Night made. We've already (laughs) talked about that. That was last week, (laughs) Janine. That was last week. Um, But yeah, so I got that from it. But what was absolutely clear to me right from the start was M. Night just does a great job of painting these two as stark opposites in every yeah. way not just in character but in how they look within that film yeah and everything around them in every one of their areas so to speak david yeah. Dunn couldn't care less about organization i don't think no <laughs> and elijah couldn't stand any sort of spontaneity i don't think because he can't be spontaneous because it's too risky for him because if he's spontaneous he ends up falling down the damn stairs like he does when he goes chasing after that guy which is a horrible scene scene. yes like i love seeing his cane drop and shatter and just how he filmed and just like even when he got to the stairs like he made like these seemingly innocuous things that we kind of just oh i'm gonna go down some stairs which yes can be dangerous but they're everyday things that like you don't outright see as dangerous and but you know elijah at the top of a set of stairs is a very scary thought and he sets that up so well that like as soon as he gets to the stairs and they do this crazy zoom showing you like how daunting this is going to be for him and the risk he takes to just to know and then that plays later when he's kind of talking about how you know he needed to find david he needed to find his polar opposite on the exact opposite of the spectrum to find his place in the world it makes that scene much more important that he was willing to risk that to see if david was right about you know the guy's gun what it looked like yeah um to test that theory. So it was that important to him that he risked, you know, you know, breaking every bone in his body just to check, check and see that. So, so I think that definitely plays back later when, you know, you find out what his motivations are, um, why he would even risk doing something like that. So I like how that was uh, played. And look, Shyamalan's, he's, he's been doing this in the movies we've already watched. And, He's been doing, he he does this in the movies that I'd seen before. He shoots some things very, very interestingly. Like, and he's, he's very creative with his shots. I love in that when, obviously, when Elijah falls down the stairs and he's making these stairs seem really, really terrifying, that he does use the kind, the uh, vertigo slash jaws zoom type thing yeah it's kind of almost the reverse yeah of what you see in jaws where it's kind of the the stairs become bigger and elijah becomes smaller rather than yeah you know brody becoming bigger and everything else becoming smaller and, and you just that feel that fear yeah well you, you you feel outright fear um see the, but like you said before as well with the kind of there's some composition Especially with Elijah, you feel and that's kind of a little bit distorted. It all looks a little bit broken. 
and obviously it's kind of supposed to look a little bit broken there's a whole scene where little kid elijah's talking to his mum and it shot through or it shot reflected into In a the TV, tv screen yeah so it makes it all look a little bit weird and janky and then like you said bringing up how you know the villain is a bit distorted from how the hero looks exactly and um, I, I, look and exactly and that's just another way of m night showing that i mean it, it was kind of obvious it became obvious to me really once he said that that yeah, Sam ja- I've, I've always known Sam Jackson to have this weird hair in this movie. I wonder why he has this weird <laughs> yeah. hair. And it's to do with, or at least to me, it's to do with this whole idea of the villain having mm. a slightly disproportionate head shape. He's just a Frederick Douglass, Stan. He is. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he does. It is a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. It's a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. We don't mind um, that. We don't mind no, that. It's perfectly acceptable to be a <laughs> Frederick Douglass stan. You know, at least we can acknowledge that Frederick Douglass isn't actually alive. Yes. Unlike we some can people. acknowledge that. <laughs> Unlike some people. Yes. Um, anyway, Janine. Well, other things that you just happen to love about this movie, I, because I think that's what this episode can be, because it it's a movie that deserves it. Yes. And it's this low-key superhero movie. It's very quiet. It's very it quiet is. for a movie that is touted as a superhero movie. It's very still and calm, and you're kind of just going through it. And, uh, you know, that could be boring, but what he's telling you and the themes of it are always so interesting with what he does. Um, and, like, just some great scenes and just some really interesting way he shoots things. Like, one of my favorite scenes and how it's shot is after the train crash. And okay. he's sitting in the hospital and the doctor comes up to him and is explaining to him, you know, hey, asking him all these questions about his health. And in the foreground, you see a body, like, breathing heavily, wrapped in gauze, people working on it. Um, yeah. And as the doctor's getting closer and closer to telling David what has happened, you see, like the bandages on the body in the foreground start to pool with blood. And then he's telling him in a few minutes, you're going to be the only survivor of this train crash. You have no scratches on you. You haven't broken any bones and kind of revealing the unbreakable. Yeah. You know, it, it, so, look Im- immediately then, like, cause, because to be perfectly honest with you, I had no idea that David Dunn was, you know, unbreakable. I, I didn't I, I don't I didn't really know anything about the movie other than the fact it was Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson played somebody called Mr. Glass who could break. Yeah. That's and that's all that I That you knew. knew that there was some superhero element of this movie, but what yeah. could that be? What that so, was, I had no idea. Yes, yeah, so um, that's why they kind of call this whole trilogy the East Rail trilogy, because this train crash kind of kicked things off and I think it's one of the main through lines that you kind of hear about yeah. in the other two films so like when we get into split you know we see uh kevin you know he his father left on a train when he does kind of manifest into the beast that's what he go why, why he goes to the train station because that's yeah. where his father left him um and we don't know why um uh so that kind of ties into you know what's happening in this movie um but yeah i i, I just love that introduction of you know 
this kicking off point of where is this going? What is going on with Bruce Willis and um, Sam Jackson's Elijah getting him to kind of think about that on another level? Because who knows if he would have even really thought that deep into it, you know? And also I like them giving him kind of the personal issues that him and his wife are dealing with as kind of a distraction to, you know, him trying to figure this out. Um, I like that added layer of, of, you know, personal storytelling to kind of give him uh, more depth and, you know, how that affects the son who plays into the story as well and how he kind of, you know, and they do have a whole dialogue where him and the wife decide to kind of go on a date to kind of rekindle things with their relationship. Yeah. And uh, she a- kind of outright asks him, you know, do you purposely push me and uh, Joseph, our son, away? Um, so she kind of confronts him with that. And so kind of when all of this comes about, it ends up being a kind of a really sweet bonding experience between him and Joseph. And we do get to see that in glass because we get to see grown up Joseph okay. played by the same kid. Okay. And yeah. So um, we do get to kind of see that kind of uh, build off um, that we saw here. So I, I do like that, you know, he had been kind of pushing his family away and this kind of being a bonding thing. So all the scenes with Joseph getting really excited and like them doing the stuff with the weights and all of that. Yeah. Um, I liked those added elements to really flesh out David. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a, a very interesting kind of family dynamic. Cause you do get the impression that, it's all really like the the troubles that he's had within his family are all really because David isn't very honest with himself. Yeah. And we and it was kind of get... based on a lie, you know. Yeah, and it was out, based you know? on a lie to begin with because you know we get the i we get the we get told that him and Robin Wright began their relationship basically because they were both in the same car accident now a bit further along it's kind of made pretty clear that bruce willis kind of knew that he was quote-unquote unbreakable and he thought well i'm a good you know college football player high school football player whatever it is yeah if i keep you know (laughs) never getting injured or something like that it's going to look weird and also people are going to start asking questions and people are going to start probing and he doesn't want that and also my wife she won't be with me or you know his girlfriend at the time exactly. she won't be with me if i keep doing this because she hates the idea of football and violence and all of that so that exactly. whole setup was there so you know he did it for love and you know elijah kind of calls him that like you did that all for a woman i guess that makes sense because you know football you have maybe what 10 years but love that's something that can last forever so i get why you did it and so stuff like that so (laughs) brilliantly as well i love sam i always love sam jackson he's great in absolutely everything Everything. even when it's a trash movie like i literally watched snakes on a train on a plane like uh i think last year snakes on a train yeah so i'm uh, you know i'm in train mode with this movie that's the uh, the, the fourth movie yeah it's the fourth movie in the israel uh (laughs) quadrilogy um is snakes on a train um but no i watched snakes on a plane for the first time last year and that movie is pretty trash but like he is so so good 
it's because his line delivery is always absolutely perfect. Yes, yes. And no I mean, we did, what he's doing. <laughs> we did that, a watch along of the long kiss goodnight. I told you he had some epic, great one liners. He was amazing. So, he yes, did. definitely. He has some great monologues. His delivery is really great. You know, he's not playing um, a really like, you know, vulgar, no talking, uh, you know, harsh kind of chill, you know. He seems guy quite pleasant. Normal, yes, he's very, you know, smart and intelligent and well-spoken. Um, like, sure, you know, has he seems this air about bit. him. That's kind of why we see him in purple a lot, you know, to invoke that kind of class and royalty vibe yeah, of a supervillain. Yes. So, <laughs> I, I, I remember you commenting that you would probably be, uh, you know, you, you could rock a uh, <laughs> Elijah rock a Price glass. vibe. <laughs> I could, though. Can you not imagine me in a really kind of purpley black suit, pair of leather gloves on. With a a glass cane, a glass purple cane, and you'd really be the purple Don. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, obviously, you know, I I wouldn't have to break my leg to have that cane. I just have that cane. Yeah. I mean, I, I would also, unfortunately, look like... Um, or, or look like I was trying to do a, a, a ridiculously insensitive impression of a pimp from a black exploitation yes. movie. The purple which pimp. Go down yes. well. What was his name? <laughs> what was his name? Oh my gosh! In coffee, right? In coffee. In coffee. What was his? And name? he even had a little song. He even had a thing. <laughs> he even had a theme song. I did. What was his Here. name? Okay. Well, you keep I going. I'll, I'll look name, him up. But he I'll was look my him up. Favorite. <laughs> Oh, the, his attire was unbelievable. Three. The tightness of his pants, Janine. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing was left to the imagination there. He didn't even need to strip off for his sex scene. We could see it anyway. Yeah, it was, it was all out there. And he had a moustache. He wore silly hats. He was wearing a cape. He was wearing a he cape as well. All. I'm getting too fixated <laughs> on the pimp from coffee. I'm sure I'm absolutely sure he was called something like Oh, I don't even know. Something King, King George. King George. King George. <laughs> King George. What was his song? I can't yeah. remember how his yeah. Here comes King George. He's, He's the man. <laughs> like it was like <laughs> it was like something like that. <laughs> He's the man with the plan. It was like something like with some soothing girl saying some stuff like. Oh it was a gosh. bad imitation of Shaft. Yes. Basically, the song. Oh God, I remember that. But yes, anyway. Um... <laughs> anyway, um, what was that? What was I saying about? We were Elijah? going off of uh, Elijah's style. Could just, potentially veer a little. He was on the borderline of of pimp attire. But a little bit. He, yeah, he just was. a little bit. I just think he wants to look clean and sophisticated, though. Yes. And, you know, in the year 2000, as opposed to 1972, that same attire can look different. You know, people wore capes in in the 1800s. You wouldn't call those pimps. That's not what pimps looked like in the 1800s. In the 1800s, they were very different-looking people, (laughs) you know. Yes. Who did that kind of thing? Um, um, so I actually got into a weird thought process. 
Have you? Yes. Um, in watching this again, I got into this weird thought process of uh, the scene with Elijah and his mother and they're reflected in the TV and he's a child. He's already broken yeah. his arm. He doesn't want to go outside and play because he just knows what's going to happen. He's going to break something. You know, the kids tease him at school, call him Mr. Glass. Um, cool and his name, mother. Though, it's a cool name. You know, and yeah. And he's just kind of afraid. And yeah. his mother kind of telling him, no, you can't be sitting in this room. I let it go on long enough. I'm going to leave a, a gift out there for you every day and you can come out here and yeah. grab it or someone's going to take it. And she gets him to come out and go out and, you know, it's like a great mother moment. And I thought, oh, wow, she is a great mother. And like, it kind of reminded me of Frozen and you know how much I hate the parents oh, of Frozen. Yes. <laughs> and like, I hate that the, you know, instead of helping uh, Elsa figure out how to work with her powers. They made her, they kind of endorsed her being afraid of them and kept her inside the opposite of what Elijah's mother does. And then that kind of like twisted my mind even more because while I do see Elijah's mother as the better parent, her son grew up to be a criminal a genius, super- <laughs> right? A yeah. super villain. A super and villain. Elsa's parents confined her to her room, didn't help her learn how to use her powers, had her ignore her sister all her life, and she's like this beautiful, wonderful, kind person. (laughs) So that was where my mind was going after that scene. Because I was like, this is how you parent. This was such a great mother to not let her son hide away, because had she let him just hide away and be afraid of everything, who knows? He And it wouldn't even have spawned his love of comics, because that was what she gave him. The comic book. So... You know, I think it's harsh <laughs> to be blaming the mother. I know. I don't want to blame the mother, but it was just where my head went. Like, I think she's a superior parent. And like having a child with a, an ability, a disability rather, that um, they're afraid of, that scares them. Yeah. Um, and showing them how to work with it and how to just, you know, push forward and push through. That was amazing parenting on their part. And it just took me back to Frozen about how terrible I thought their parenting was. But then to see how both of those characters kind of ended up, it just kind of put me back to, yeah, it put me back to like, you know, the parents can only do so much at that point. You know, it's up to you to take responsibility for what you do. But it just, it just made me kind of chuckle to myself that like the better parent raised the the yeah. uh, you know killer supervillain killer supervillain <laughs> it's I, I i do it's ridiculously harsh to be blaming them but it's a funny point i like it <laughs> yeah um, but i think ultimately what the mother does do is yes spawn elijah's love of of, of, of comics and that kind of stuff and makes him into a, into a confident person, I think, yeah, and a person who can gain uh, or who you know has the ability to escape now from his upsetting disability for what it is. But then, are, are we saying that like parents of disabled people or, or par- parents of disabled children should absolutely, you know? Um, allow their child to accept and and live with as best they can their disability and, and show them that it doesn't mean that you can't do wonderful things. 
that's all the mother's doing. And that's yeah, all I think exactly. any parent of any exactly you know, any child with a disability does. And, and, and I love I love that moment love with that. her getting him to go outside and you know spawning yeah. some interest in something that he can yeah. you know latch onto. The issue, like you said, is actually what Elijah takes from it all, and what Elijah takes from it all is a kind of because he spends so much time reading these comic books. He bases his entire life around it. Yeah, he kind which of takes it not, to the extreme, is which is not is what she planned, and that wasn't, yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of person that sometimes, in the past, I have been I have been guilty of basing my entire personality around a movie, say, The Lighthouse, for example. My entire <laughs> personality can be based around that. But some people base their entire personalities around, you know, um, a movie or whatever it is and, and think that the, the whole world revolves around what happens and and what said movies or said people are trying to say. And it doesn't because we need to think for ourselves, don't we? And that's what yeah. I don't think Elijah's very good at. He does, ne- he, he does not think for himself because he takes all of his morals and all of his ethics from these stark good versus evil comic books of the 70s or whenever it is as what he's reading as a child yeah and they're gonna be very very that's good that's evil yeah two sides of a two sides of the coin two sides of the spectrum you can't have one without the other it's the balance of the world and so he feels like if i don't have the other side of the spectrum I don't have a place. Where do I belong if I don't have... Yeah. He does not recognize that there is any in between. And in order, like you said, in order for him to feel whole, he needs that... He needs David in order for him to feel whole. And that's not what his mother's trying to say. His mother's trying to just say, like, yeah, you're a a person. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, you you need to live your life. You need to live your life and not be hiding away and be scared of this, you know, of this disease that you have. Yeah. So I love... It is what you take from that as an individual. So I... And, you know, this goes for anything. This goes for serious big world things. I think you can only ever blame the individual for what the individual does. What ends up doing, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't think... um, Oh, this. This murderer was raised in a loving household and was told that he could do whatever he wanted as a child and was left free reign to go out and do whatever and his parents are probably lovely people you know what i mean yeah just because he went out and killed cats or whatever he did which you know progressed onto people in later life this is a hypothetical murder i've come up with here (laughs) but it doesn't mean that you know the parents aren't good parents well, even like something that we kind of talked about in the visit, like the mother in that movie, her yeah. parents were great people. They were supportive, loving parents. Then when she tried to kind of rebel and go off with some older guy, you know, yeah, they raised her to be a respectful, kind, loving person. They were great parents to her, but she wanted to rebel. She was going through her own phase of things she wanted to do for herself. And, you know, she hit her mother and 
took off and didn't talk to her parents for years. But so again, here's a and here is that's all, the individual. Oh, yeah. the duality comes back in, but not necessarily in the form of David Dunn here. What about poor old James McAvoy? Yes. His parent and his parental situation. Yes. In these movies, which is a case of he's um, upset with his dad for, you know, leaving well, no, on the train he... and never coming back. But he's, he's, he's wrongfully upset with him. He knows he's, he, you know, well, it's kind of that. And we do, we do, we'll get into that a little bit in glass. His father okay. actually was a caring person who did love All right. him. Yeah, Unlike okay. his mother, who was kind of was an abuser, so his yeah. father was a better person than the mother. So he did have that in his father. So I think his father leaving him with the crazy abusive mother was more of the issue. Yeah, when it comes to Kevin. Yeah. So then you look at kind of what Kevin became, ultimately being, you know, whether it's the all just the multiple personalities or the ultimate personality of the beast. So Kevin becomes the beast, right? Because he's grown up with an abusive mother who just shouts and screams all the damn time, you know? So yeah. what does the beast do? He's kind of shouty and screamy and running around chargy violent all the time. Yeah. That's kind of what the beast is good at. Then you get Elijah, who's grown up with a loving mother who kind of promotes confidence what does elijah turn into a supremely confident person yeah very self-assured but then he takes on weird morals that he, that he are, are his own doing now i think in that way kevin's mother is way more to blame i still don't think you can necessarily blame her i think she's a bad parent yes and Absolutely. i think the beast and the personalities came out of a way they all kind of came out to protect kevin yeah and that's kind of where they came from from the mother who would you know abuse him and he would hide but then again her. if you if you watch split it's kind of a case of all the personalities trying to then they ultimately them, come with their own agendas yeah know. some of them are trying to say yeah come on beast we know you're in here. Yeah. Get out. out. And then others are saying, we don't want the beast. Get back in there. And then Anya Taylor-Joy is just in the middle of it going, I don't know what's, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And that's Split, if, if, if you've not seen Split. That's yeah, the Yeah, so it's definitely, like, up to the person how their actions end up kind of developing. But it was just, like, that was literally my thought. I was comparing, like, that mother to the frozen parents and how, you know, if you That's have fun. a child going through something, you try to get them to, uh, you know, yeah. live their life and not be afraid of it. Um, where it, like, it was the complete opposite of what Elsa's parents did. They did not help her not be afraid of her abilities. Never mind Elsa <laughs> as well. It's like, it's like, um, mind you, I suppose that's different. I was going to say Princess Fiona, but that's a different situation entirely. There was a curse involved. Yes, mind but you, they still were terrible involved, parents you know? who locked still, her they, away. They were, they still <laughs> locked her away. They had no reason to lock her away for being an ogre. A half ogre. It was. It was yeah. mean. Yes. It was mean, mean of of what? What are the name? Harold and Lillian. As though I as though I don't know the names of the parents <laughs> from Shrek. Yeah, of course. Um. 
it is mean of the not nice parents. Not nice parents. But then again, Fiona turned out pretty great. Yeah. So you know, what's what are these movies trying to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird that my mind just kind of made that parallel. Um but yes, yeah, so we will see the mother return in glass. So Okay. Yes. Okay, Mr. Glassy's mother returning. Yes. So we do see these Kevin's mother. (laughs) Well, we do see the three characters and then like a complimentary character to them. So it's kind of a nice vibe that happens in glass. In glass. Yes. A complimentary character. That vibe with the with our main three. Who's Kevin's complimentary character then? Anya Taylor. Do I have to find out? Oh, Anya Taylor Joy's in glass. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's nice. So like Elijah, that. Elijah has his mother. Um, David. David has, has his son. Okay. And uh, Kevin has okay. Anya Taylor Joy. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm I'm led to believe Glass is quite a uh, a color based movie. Yes. So we do work with the colors purple, yellow, and green. Which kind of, you know, look, yeah. those the two of the colors they show up they show up in. In this movie, but I'm I'm definitely led to believe that Glass is very colour heavy, which I like. I always like when a movie's colour heavy. Look at the village. Yes. Very colour heavy. Love it. Um, the bad colour. We don't have any any evidence of the bad colour, I suppose, do we? In, in the East Rail trilogy, Janine, there's not too much of the bad colour. No, no. At all, really. It's, it's not a case of... As much as much as Elijah would like it to be, it's not a case of pure good versus pure evil, is it? No. But in the case of Elijah, he's not the nicest, or he's a pretty cold person. You know. Yes. He's a pretty brutal person. But not in, I mean, not in we a don't, violent sense. No, but we don't realize that, you know, because. They do mention near the end of, you know, David and him becoming actual friends. Yeah. And he does consider David his friend. He does, and he still movie. does at the very end of the movie. Yes. Um. So, one thing that did just kind of not really have a strong enough through line for me was, you know, we hear a voice message from Elijah and he talks about how, you know, they are on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, yeah. David never gets sick. He, he never gets hurt. Elijah breaking every bone in his body at certain points, always in the hospital, things like that. Yeah. But he says, like, the one thing that connects them is this uh, is water being kind of their kryptonite. Oh, yeah. But we don't really get. Water. But, you know, and they do set that up a lot for David. You know, they talk about, you know, a drowning accident when he was a child, yeah. um, you know, and that was the one time he was sick. And I feel like they're, they want to imply that that's kind of what changed him. That's probably what gave him these higher abilities was him surviving yeah, and, that and yeah. having this one big illness that kind of just changes you. And kind of solidifying water as being the one thing that could really take him out. So we do get that very established really well with David. But Elijah just mentions that it's something that he that affects him as well. And then they kind of it go nowhere with that. So if that's kind of my one criticism, that they make a point to mention that water is something that affects Elijah just as much as it affects David. But they didn't really set that up or play play into that as much they set it up really well with david though so like it felt like there was no point in really mentioning it because yeah there's no callback to it we don't see anything with elijah where water's really affecting him um 
it's just something mentioned as kind of a more of a connection. But I feel like them being on those strong opposite sides of the spectrum yeah. is enough, is enough yeah. to connect them. We didn't need that water for Elijah, you know, being a through line connection. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it's needed. I did like that story with David with the whole water because he has to overcome um, a hell of a lot of rain and water yes. a, a little bit later in, in the movie. You know, like, fairly climactic scene, I must say. Um, but yeah, we don't. I, I agree. We we don't really. I had actually forgotten. Yeah. That Elijah it's even just a mention it. on an. It's just a mention on an answering machine, and he mentions about oh, you know, me. Water affects us differently than other people. It we swallow it too quickly or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, does it show? I mean, it, it mustn't show up in glass either, because you would no. It doesn't, so. it, but the water is still definitely a part of David in okay. in glass, but it has nothing to do with Elijah. So, well, yeah, I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe he had a plan for that and he just forgot. But <laughs> Possibly. I, who knows? But the, yeah, look, there's no... Credit to M. Night. Water. Credit to M. Night. There's a hell of a lot of things he has to intricately weave in all yes. of his movies. And he does so many of them so very well. Yes. We can forgive him one little potential where what happened with that one m night oh it doesn't really matter, matter anyway. no it was just a mention on an answering machine yeah. so um before we get into the big final twist there yes. is a theory a theory that we do actually see uh james mcavoy's kevin wendell crumb in this movie yes. so i did share that with you this. yes you know early on when somebody does bump into him it's a woman kind of pulling her young son along and you hear a flash of the kid maybe saying like mommy no no mommy and um that kid is led to believe we were led to believe like later in theories and things like that 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 little boy was kevin wendell crumb and his abusive mother um and i'm about uh, it if you look at like script pages um M. Knight did write some things about like an abusive mother and that was kind of going to be and Kevin and that kind of being a part of the big climactic finale. But ultimately with time and things. I Actually think... in Unbreakable? Yes. Um, so, so this this trilogy, this yeah. whole story, was it actually conceived back when he was originally thinking about Unbreakable or did he write Unbreakable and then think, oh, there might be something after it, but we're not quite sure. And then I uh, wait 15 years until he actually did yeah. split. From what I've heard, he had the idea of that Kevin character, maybe not as fleshed out as he became in Split, but he did have that idea of a character like Kevin with the multiple personalities and stuff being in the finale of Unbreakable. But okay. ultimately, for time and things like that, they went with the simpler one of him just finding some random criminal who did a yeah. terrible thing. Yeah. So, because he just didn't have time to kind of fit that in as the big finale. So, I think... Um, oh, so Kevin... We oh, do get... Th the, th the theoretical, hypothetical Kevin yeah. was actually supposed to be... No, I don't think you need that. I think that's way too much. Yes. So, I think he wanted to have somebody with like a multiple personality or something like that fight uh david as the finale um but it didn't work out no that would be that would be way too much you need so, to focus on him and elijah on, it, exactly so i think you know that's kind of that what spawned the theory that this little boy that yeah. kind of you know bumps and you hear him say no mommy 
that was a young Kevin Wendell Crumb. I like that. Um, I'm about so that, though. I, I, I do like that fan theory. Um, it would make yeah. sense. You know, everything yeah. with M. Night's connected in some wacky way. So why not yes. have that? Yes. Why not have that? So we get to the final twist, the reveal. And yes. Elijah did mention these incidences when he first met David. Yeah, you know, he, these he terrible clearly, things look, that happened. You know, there was a uh, Elijah a plane crash and a hotel fire and this train crash. Terrible things that happened, and you know he mentions these three events. And then Elijah decides to have David shake his hand, knowing, yeah, knowing that what, David what will David be able do. to see yes. what Elijah is hiding that david doesn't even know he's hiding yes at this point does he doesn't even know there's anything to be hidden um but yeah look there's 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 these horrible things that have happened like you've said um turns out turns out elijah was behind them all because he's done his unbelievable level of research into david dunn and he's just kind of well. So he was desperate. looking for he was looking for anybody who would well, survive yeah, I mean. any of these that's incidents. I mean. Not specifically yeah. David Dunn, yeah. but he's done his unbelievable level of research finding David Dunn as this person who is the stark opposite of him. And oh my God, it makes Elijah so happy to yes. find somebody that he can play off to find his his Batman to his Joker and whatever other you know super villain superhero dualities you can possibly have although i suppose batman and joker doesn't really work too well because they're never actual friends are they no <laughs> like like some 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 superheroes and supervillains in mainstream comic books kind of are look at something like um uh, spider-man and green goblin yeah or when green goblin turns into harry or whatever it is and something like that um their best friends who become stark enemies. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's the case in this movie. But turns out Elijah's behind all these horrible atrocities in his pursuit to so so many sacrifices yes, to, find to find you. A soul survivor. Was it worth it? Elijah and he, for him he thinks it is because he, he now has found his place in the world he what a selfish person. And exactly and that's what he needed so who cares if all of these people needed to die for him to find his purpose it's really well told I love how the the kind of um they obviously shake hands and you get the I suppose you can't call them flashbacks can you but you kind of get the images of what David's seeing that Elijah has done. And they're kind of put on the screen really well. Because it's... Uh, the first one, it's obviously in that, this airport lounge. Yeah. And you're just seeing all the people in the airport lounge. You hear a noise. Oh, my God. They all go Everybody to the rushes window. to the window and has a look. And then the colour fades out of everyone. But then Elijah's just sat there in, still in full colour. And everything's just black and not white. Not focused and, yeah. on everything else is black and white, just and not he focused just walks on anything. Away. He just stands up and walks away. Yes. And then and we that's hear the case him in 
Yeah. Yeah. The second one, he's talking to somebody who used to work at this old hotel and he tells them, hey, I know all the secrets to this hotel. And Elijah's like, secrets? And he tells him, well, I know for a fact, if there was a fire on the first three floors, everyone in the hotel would die. I mean, look, admittedly, I do actually blame that guy. I mean, why would you tell a random stranger how to burn down a building? Yeah. I don't care who he is. I don't care who a, who whatever random stranger is. If I if I know a secret about a building, what I'm telling you is like, oh, there's there's a, a passage between the kitchen and the bathroom in that building. You have to go through a little secret door in the back. The secret of a building is not if there's a fire on level two, <laughs> the whole place turns down. That's not a secret. Yeah. I mean, it is. That's just a that's a terrorist act waiting to happen. Yeah. So I don't know if he's like some disgruntled worker who like just hates how the buildings run and he's just telling. Oh, well, that. yeah. Well, I do blame him then. <laughs> Lock him up with Elijah. Lock that guy up. Yeah, I bet you he was like at home once he saw that happen. He was like, oh, I would, li- I would like to see that. I would like to see what he's thinking about. Um, but yes, no, and I then we do actually see him sneaking, him sneaking out of the like front of the train and like the train, you know, conductor being like, oh, you're not supposed to be in there, <laughs> but a little too late. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how does one derail a train, but not immediately? You know what I mean? Yeah. How does Elijah manage to derail that tra- I mean, I don't know. Well, he's, he's not a, he's something a, for me he's to He's a genius. He's a super genius. And, like, he's... even his, his mother says it when she meets David and she's talking to him in the gallery. Like, there's the, you know, fighting hero who uses his hands. Or fighting yeah. villain who uses his hands. And then there's the, you know, arch enemy super villain who uses, fights the hero with his mind. Who's much better and everybody loves him. Yes. Well, and that's my son. Yeah. <laughs> He's called Elijah. Have you met him? <laughs> yes. I have met him. So, um, yeah, I think uh, just how everything plays out, I think it's really smart and well done. The duality themes are great. The performances are great. Like, I miss this version of Bruce Willis who could, oh, play, right. who could play kind of this quiet stoic while still having these emotions and it was like it was a great turn as well because you know him as kind of this yes he was always kind of stoic like that but there was that big action punch yeah whereas here he had to play kind of these quiet stoic moments and also have this emotional beat and he was great at that in this movie that's what i was you know it's what i was it's like what i was saying before like bruce willis was very very good at playing the reluctant fighter because mm-hmm. he never actually wants to do anything violent or you know he never actually wants to take on the world like he always ends up doing but he does it and he does it with a look with a pained look on his face all the time yeah. he's very good at doing that He's yes. very, very good at doing that. And obviously Sam Jackson's good at being endlessly charismatic and a little bit maniacal. Yeah. Which, so you know, a Sam Jackson villain doesn't come around every 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 so often, does it? Really? No. No. You don't get many Sam Jackson villains. No. So it's nice so. to see one. 
does that get you excited for Glass? Then it gets me very excited for Glass, even movie. though, yeah, is well, yeah, I suppose it is his his named movie, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I am very excited for Glass, although I am led to believe that people like Unbreakable, people like Split, and people are a little bit funny when it comes to Glass. So people really did the, like it. The ending and, is a bit divisive. I so the very very ending. Yes, uh, I was a bit disappointed in elements of the ending, but overall, I think what comes out of it, I think I, I really liked. Okay. I really, I really liked what came out of it. While there were things, some things in there that disappointed me, how it all kind of comes together at the end. I, I, I like that. I thought it was really smart. So, yeah, I, I, I could see how it would be divisive to people. So I'm really okay. curious to see your thoughts. Yeah. But, well, um, yeah, we'll that get into is, that next week. Yes, we will. That is next <laughs> week's episode. I certainly don't have any qualms about the ending of Unbreakable. Applause, applause to Unbreakable Yay. and M. Night for, again, making a great movie. Why do people not like M. Night? Have we just continually watched the good movies here, Janine? Yes. We haven't right. have, we have, I suppose we have. We, we, you chose well. <laughs> You did, didn't did. choose the After Earth. Or the Happening. Or the or happening. Glass Airbender. Although. Lady in the you, Water. You did say before that M. Night's got a way of making innocuous things terrifying. He tried doing that with the wind. It did not work, no. And I unfortunately, mean, there were some elements. There were some, like, there were some things in there that could have been kind of cool. But then it just doesn't make sense. And Zoe Deschanel is actually really not great. Mark no. Wahlberg is really not great. Uh, there's a random scene where a guy just goes on about how hot dogs are a great food. And yeah, it's just a little weird. So it's the beginning of the downtime for him. Yes, night. there are some scenes in the, like the whole concept kind of is like interesting and there's some cool things in there. Um, but yeah, the performances are not not great. And yeah, it gets kind of weird and the the lady who plays dr fletcher in split she plays like this crazy old lady who's just randomly okay. crazy and says random crazy things like <laughs> it's just okay. weird so yeah it, it just gets too weird and doesn't make sense and mark Wahlberg's not great and so additional not great and yeah well <laughs> but the idea well, the Shyamalan ideas are there and, and okay yeah well look had the, potential the conceptual <laughs> The conceptual nature of M. Night is on full show again in Unbreakable. And yes, definitely. And pulls it off. Absolutely. Yes. I really like this movie. Again, look, it ain't going to beat The Village. It ain't going to beat The Village. It can't possibly beat The Village. But it's pretty, pretty damn good. Yay. Pretty damn good as a movie. Applause, applause. Unbreakable. And again, to M. Night, I'm looking forward to Glass Janine. Yay, I'm excited. I'll close out Shyamalan too. with glass and move on to the new year. Move on to the new year, new things, craziness, and we'll be coming up on a big milestone for Morgan hasn't seen. A milestone that we never thought we would get to for this show that started off as a limited series of six. And then we just decided, oh, we'll do another one. <laughs> and then it's just gone on since. And we're, yeah. we're, we're coming up on episode 100. Yes, February will be episode 100 of Morgan Hasn't well, Seen. So craziness. Gotta, gotta have some fun, something fun planned for sure. Yeah. 
craziness. Anyway, are we calling it there, Janine? I think we are. Well, what else do we have on this glorious podcast feed of ours, <laughs> apart from Morgan Hasn't Seen? Well, of course, we have Machine Mondays every Monday with me, Janine the Machine, talking all things Schmodown. So, yeah, come hang out with me over there every Monday. And, of course, on Fridays, we have the main show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, where we give love to those classic films. I do switch off hosting duties every other week with Nolan Dean. Morgan is the constant host over there. So please check out, yeah, the main show. We have some fun discussions about classic old films. And, yeah. So every Monday, Machine Mondays. Every Wednesday, Morgan hasn't seen. And every Friday, It's a Wonderful Podcast. And if you haven't checked out the big, glorious, Schmodown spectacular episode of Machine Mondays in your Schmodown downtime that is late December and January where yes. nothing happens in the Schmodown <laughs> because that's the break, then yes. go and listen to it. It was last week. So go and listen to it. It's pretty good. Yay, you know, it's you. big. It's got <laughs> Abby Friel on it. We yeah. all like Abby Friel. We do. We like Janine. We like Machine Mondays. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I should have said we stays Abby. Should have said we stan Abby Friel. Sorry, Abby. Yes, and that's the tea. It is. All of Abby's catchphrases (laughs) can be found on that episode. Um, But yes, Machine Mondays, every Monday. Morgan hasn't seen every Wednesday. It's a wonderful podcast. The main show every Friday, every week. And, you know, 2021 will hopefully bring some added great things, whether it's to the podcast feed or a video, or whatever it may be. There's so many ideas floating around, and we can't wait to bring some to you, can we, Janine? We cannot. We cannot. We cannot. We're very excited, (laughs) as we all should be for 2021, because it can't be any worse, can it? It can't be any goddamn worse. (laughs) Please, for the love of Mr. Glass... (laughs) <laughs> Don't make it worse. Please. Right. Well, there we go. What hell? What else is going on? What am I supposed to say? I don't know what I'm supposed to say. It's a wonderful podcast. The whole Where can feed. we find all of the feed? Exactly. That's what I was about <laughs> to say. You can find the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and everywhere else podcasts are found absolutely everywhere. Or just on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the purple dawn with the three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. Or just on Instagram at the purple dawn. Patreon is patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one or just it's a wonderful podcast on Patreon. We already went through all that before. A lot of fun stuff going on there. More fun stuff coming in the new year. It's going to be great. If you want to support us on the Patreon, go over and do it. We will love you forever. It's true. Janine, all your good stuff is at where? You can find me at Janine DeBean on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork, you can find all of that at my Public shop at G9Design on tpublic.com. Well, if you want, you know, there might be more more, more t-shirts and, and, and designs coming in the new year. We've talked about a moustache hall of fame. Yes, t-shirt. we did. I... There is a new design there. It's the What the Fuck Frank shirt. So oh. if you want the WTF Frank shirt, you can get that at my tea shop. <laughs> there you go. If you hate Frank Janish as much <laughs> as many other people, 
We don't. We love him. But, you know, there's that there, if you want that. Thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. We'll be breaking some windows again with glass, although he doesn't break windows, does he? He breaks his bones like they were windows, but not double-glazed windows, because they don't break that easily. Single-pane windows that you just kick a football through. Break very easily. If you've got any power in your football kick, if you've not got any power in your football kick, it won't break, at which case... That's a bad analogy. Charlie, yes. (laughs) I am Charlie Brown. What's good? No, it's baseball, isn't it? (laughs) Baseball, isn't it? That's the cliche of smashing a window in American movies. Swing away. (laughs) Swing swing (laughs) away. I love it. Swing away at Mr. Glass's legs, but don't do that because they'll break. (laughs) And that's also violent. And he's not about violence, he just wants to kill everyone to find his own heart (laughs) and make his heart whole that's all he wants to do anyway there we go janine i think there's only one thing left to do now i mean uh, who's there to do an impression of i would say do an impression of sam jackson but you know well i'll save that that for the end we'll save that for the end (laughs) the end do an impression of bruce willis that's not easy. Oh, no, it's not. Why do you always put me on the spot? Do an impression of anyone from Philadelphia. Rocky. What? Hey. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Two. <laughs> One. <laughs> Bye. That was the best person from Philadelphia. Philadelphia possible anyway, so there you go.